Hello authors, I'm Joanne Morell, children's and young adult fiction writer and author of short non-fiction for authors. Thanks for joining me for the Hybrid Author Podcast, sharing interviews from industry professionals to help you forge a career as a hybrid author, both independently and traditionally publishing your books. You can get the show notes for each episode and sign up for your free author pass over at the Hybrid Author website to discover your writing process, get tips on how to publish productively, and get comfortable promoting your books at www.hybridauthor.com.au. Let's crack on with the episode. Stacey C. Bauer is a teacher and musician residing in the suburbs of Minneapolis, USA, with her husband and two children, Cammie 10 and Wyatt 8. She is the author of the best-selling picture book series, Cammie Kangaroo and Wyatt 2. In her spare time, Stacey feeds her book addiction by staying up late reading too many fantasy novels. She's also a lover of gardening, travel, playing games, but most of all, spending time with her gorgeous family. Wow. Welcome to the Hybrid Author Podcast, Stacey. Thank you for having me. Why don't you start by telling us how you got into writing and publishing in the first place? Yeah, so I've been writing since I was a child, which, you know, I'm sure is true of lots of authors out there. So um, I have notebooks full of uh, stories and, and everything from when I was seven years old and up. And then I went to college and became a teacher. And that kind of took over my life for a while, had got married, had kids. And then um, about four or five years ago, I kind of came back to this dream that I've always had of um, publishing a book, of writing a real book and getting it published. And so I thought, you know what, I'm just going to do it. I was actually on leave from being a teacher with my son, Wyatt. So I thought I'm just going to do it because if I don't do it now, it's just not going to happen. And so um, I decided I want to make a book series about my kids, Cammie and Wyatt, kind of like the Berenstein Bears, just a uh, funny things that they've done and lessons other people could learn. And so I made a list of different things my kids have done. And the first thing that came up was uh, my daughter, Cammie, when she was two and three years old, started sneaking treats. That's one of the earliest things that she did that I thought I could write a book about healthy eating and making good choices. And so that's kind of how the first uh, book got started. Wonderful. That's great. So you you're, you self-publish under your own press. Um, did you ever consider going down the traditional public publishing route or was this just something yeah, you wanted to give a go? Yeah. So when I first, uh, when I wrote my first draft of the first book, I, of course I had no clue what to do. Um, I didn't know any authors. I didn't know anybody in the publishing business. I had no experience in the publishing business. I didn't know anything. So I thought, um, like a lot of aspiring authors out there that I would have to somehow find someone to publish my book for me. So I wrote my I wrote my rough draft and then I just kind of sat there like, okay, uh, what do I do now? And so I ended up um, contacting some of my close family and friends and asking them, hey, do you know anyone that's written a book? And my sister actually went to high school with somebody whose wife had just started her own publishing company. Her name is Lindsay. And so um, I reached out to her, told her who I was and asked her if she could just give me some advice on um, what to do. And so she's very kind and had, we had breakfast and we kind of talked and she said, you know, the traditional publishing um, route is hard because you do have to, a lot of people have agents, you have to send out query letters to all these different companies and the chances of you um, getting picked up can be slim, you know, it can be hard, you can be waiting for a while, um, not saying it's impossible, of course, because, you know, people do, it does happen, but um, she just mentioned that self-publishing is a different route that you can take. And I didn't, again, I didn't know anything about self-publishing. Um, so, you know, she just kind of said um, she could help me kind of get started. And you just have to, it's just a lot of uh, learning. You have to learn and you have to do everything, um, learn everything, kind of be in charge of everything. And so it's it's overwhelming, but um, I am, I do like to have the control over my series and, and everything. So it, it's worked out pretty well. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So you've you've got um currently got five picture books and three activity coloring books. Can you take us through your process of publishing a picture book? Like have you got steps that you've established now from writing to publishing? And is it yeah. is the process different for everyone or you've kind of stuck to the same way of doing um, things? 
I think it's about the same for everybody out there. I don't, you know, the, the, uh, yeah, the different steps in the order that you do them in. So you have your, um, you have your rough draft, of course. And it's kind of funny because I'm a teacher. And so, um, and I do um, author visits at different schools. And I always talk about, you know, the steps that I go through to publish are pretty much the same steps that you go through to publish your stories at school. So you have the writing process, right? So you have, you know, you get your idea and then you write your rough draft and then, um, and then you edit. So, I mean, the kids at school just edit themselves or they have editing partners, but um, I had to find professional editors. So I joined all these author Facebook groups because again, I didn't know anybody in the business and I just asked for recommendations, like with my author friends, do you, who do you recommend for editing? And I actually have um, three editors that I use. I don't just use one because I like to get feedback from different people. And um, so, and I have beta readers too. So what I do is I write my rough draft and then I, I email it out to some beta readers. So the beta readers are people in my audience. So um, for marketing purposes, you, you know, you think about who am I, who's going to be buying my book? Well, my books are for kids. So it's going to be parents and teachers mostly. So my beta readers are parents and teachers. So um, I find them through um, Instagram and Facebook uh, teacher groups and mom groups and things like that. I just say, you know, I have a book coming out. This is what it's about. I'm interested in people who would be um, willing to read my rough draft and just give feedback, not editing the content, but um, just give feedback on, you know, does it make sense? Is it, um, does it flow? Is it, I mean, just their initial thoughts. So after I do the rough draft, I, I email it out to the beta readers, probably a five to 10 of those. And they read through it and give me their thoughts on um, the actual content of the um, story. And then I go ahead and I send it to my editors and they also review the content, but they also do the grammar and punctuation and things like that. Um, and then while that's going on, um, I have illustrations going on because I have picture books. So I actually found my illustrator on Pinterest. I, of course, didn't know anybody. So um, I went into the author Facebook groups and looked around for illustrators. I looked on <clears throat> some of the freelancing websites like Upwork and Fiverr. And uh, I just I just couldn't find the person that clicked. I didn't like the digital like computer, you know, style. And so I went on Pinterest on a whim one day and I typed in children's book illustrations and Rebecca's Etsy shop came up. She had never illustrated a book before. She had just graduated from art school but I loved her style. She uses colored pencils. So I reached out to her and asked her if she'd be interested in doing a children's series with me. And she said, yes. And so we've been together ever since working on the Cammie and Wyatt series. So what happens is I give her, um, I, I kind of make a story map of what I want, like which words I want on which page. So with a picture book, you know, you kind of map out on page one, I want this sentence and I want a full page uh, spread on pages two and three. I want a double page illustration with these sentences. And so um, I gave that I give that to Rebecca so she knows which words on which page and then she can kind of start her illustration process. So she has a process too. She does the outline, the sketches, the rough draft, same as me. And we kind of go back and forth. So that's going on the same time as the editing is going on. Um, so the illustrations will be completed. The editing will be completed. And then um, Rebecca goes in or some people's illustrators do this and some people hire a book designer. Um, but the next step is the designing of the book so that they will put the text on the pages, um, choose the font, um, the, the uh, self-publisher um, applies for copyright and gets an ISBN. Um, all that little background stuff that you don't think about, the barcode and all that good stuff. You have to write the copyright page and the blurb on the back of the book and put your bio in there with your photograph and all that little stuff. And then you choose a printer. So um, some authors choose to just do Amazon print on demand, which is paperback. And I do have a couple of my books that are available through print on demand. 
and other authors choose to go through a third-party printer and do hardcover or paperback through a third-party printer. And so I do have some hardcover books that um, I have researched printers around the world and gotten quotes from. Um, and then they send you your book. And throughout this whole process, you're also doing marketing and hopefully building up your audience on social media so that you can then sell the books that you have to pay for. Yeah. <laughs> so sorry, that was really long answer. That's no. pretty much what I do. That's that's the process of uh, what I do for every book that I publish. Yeah. Well, it's a big process. It definitely yeah. is. Yeah. How, what's the time frame like for that whole process, I suppose? <laughs> so it kind of depends on, okay, so for the hardcover book, it takes three months longer because they're at the printer. So usually um, the editing takes at least two weeks. Um, beta reading, again, one to two weeks, depending on when people get back to you and how fast the turnaround is. So it's a lot of waiting for other people. It's not just me. You know, there's a team. Like I'm waiting for illustration to get done. I'm waiting for editing to get done. And then um, it's, it's a lot of like proofreading. I mean, after the formatting of the book, the book gets put together, I have to look at it again, just to make sure it all looks perfect. I mean, I, my second book I um, sent to the printer and the day before they printed it, I caught a spelling mistake. So I would have had 3000 books, which is $8,000 all with a spelling mistake in it. So I always tell kids that too. I'm like, you have to, you know, I actually read my book backward word by word. I had an editor that told me this is a good strategy because your brain um, fills in those mistakes for you and you don't see them when you're reading it normally. So I read it backwards word by word just to double check for errors. And that's how I found this one, even though I had already read it like a hundred times and I had editors go through it and my illustrator and my beta readers and nobody caught it. So anyway, that can take longer. So with the paperback book, I can get those depending on how fast the um, editing and the illustrations, those are usually about two months. And then the um, hardcover book can be anywhere from six months to a year, depending on, uh, you know, the illustrations. Um, if, if you have an illustrator who does them primarily on the computer, they can maybe finish them in a couple months. Um, Rebecca does all of hers by hand and then uploads them. So they usually take about six months for illustrations. Um, so then that takes a little bit longer. So I would say anywhere from like a few months to a year per book. Wow. And do you book in advance? You book the illustrator, the editor, you're going to have a picture book by this time or do you finish do everything? Um, do you book your team in advance? So you've got an idea for a book. Will you say, can I have editing done in oh. X amount of time? Um, yeah. So what I do, so I, with my new series that's coming out is, is I have a different illustrator for that. Um, because Rebecca, you know, she was all booked out, which is fine. So, cause it's good to work with different people. So, um, when I was looking for an illustrator for that, I, I was started looking in January and I did ask, I did tell people I'm looking for these to get out in the spring or summer. So do you have, uh, you know, I don't need a specific date, but do you, in your time frame, is this doable for you? Like, do you have time to do that? Are you going to get, I mean, how long do you normally take? So good questions to ask illustrators. Um, you know, what is your process? Of course, how much do you charge? Um, what's your timeline like? Um, that kind of thing. So I asked that with, and then do you have any samples I can look at? You know, so I asked that, I probably looked at 30 illustrators, then I found the one that I'm using for this upcoming series. And then same thing with editing. Yeah, I reach out to editors and I say, hey, I'm looking for someone to edit this, um, this uh, book. It's this many pages, this many words. Um, do you have time in your schedule to fit me in? Yeah, so. wow. Oh, awesome. And um, a question I'm dying to know as well. How, how did you come to choosing the size of your book? Did you do just spend a lot of time researching that? So I have books. My books are nine by nine square um, for the Cami and Wyatt series for the hardcover. And how, you know, I'm a teacher and I've read thousands of picture books and I just like square books. <laughs> I don't think it really matters, you know, if you have a square or if you have a horizontal or a vertical rectangle. Um, 
but the size I chose the nine by nine instead of like a 10 by 10 or an eight by eight. Um, I think the, the eight by eight is, is kind of small. I like to, when I read my books to um, other kids in the classroom or to my own children, you want them big enough so that they can see them. So, but, but then I had a few author friends who had told me that they used a 10 by 10 and with the 10 by 10, you have to pay more for shipping. So I ended up using a nine by nine and that happened to, that ended up being a really good size. Now, Amazon doesn't have a nine by nine. They have an eight and a half by eight and a half. So my paperback books are eight and a half by eight and a half. Um, and then for my new series, Young Changemakers, I ended up using an eight and a half by 11 um, because I just thought since um, these are more, these are nonfiction. They're going to have photographs. They're going to have text features. They're going to have a lot more text. I thought it would be good to have the, the vertical um, eight and a half by 11 so that they, there's more space on the page to um, put the text on there then. Mm, yeah, no, that's, that's good points. Um, so I, you touched on your, your book delivery deliveries there. I've seen on social media, the big Book deliveries yeah. that you receive at your house. Um, so is that from a print-on-demand publisher? You did say you use both um, or like a third-party distributor? You buy and Yes. Buy yep. So with my first um, with my first book, Cami, um, Kangaroo Has Too Many Sweets, I ended up going with Bang Printing here in Minnesota um, because Lindsay, the, the um, author friend of mine, used them. And they have really good prices, especially because they're two hours from my house. So I can go get the books with my truck, with a, not my truck, my dad's truck <laughs> and my father-in-law's trailer. <laughs> so see, it's a team of people that are yes. helping. Um, we, we family go, we drive up. what's that? It's a family run business. <laughs> it is. It is. Cause my husband comes with me. He drives the truck. Um, he he's gone up by himself too. Um, because it's a two hour drive. So we drive up there, pick up the books, bring it back home. And then I'm not paying for shipping. So when, when you order 3000 books from bang printing in Minnesota, I'm only paying like a dollar 60 a book. It's pretty inexpensive. Um, but you, of course you have to place the large order because the bigger, um, number of books that you buy, the cheaper they are. So if I was only going to buy, if I was only going to like 500 books, they'd be $4 a piece, um, versus, you know, a dollar 60 a piece when you order 3000. But then you also have to think about, can I sell that many books? Yes, you can. Um, it might take a while, but they will sell. And um, where am I going to store these books? I have 3000 books. It's a big, huge pallet um, with, you know, probably a hundred boxes of books. So my books are in my garage <laughs> here in Minnesota. And uh, some people will say, well, are you sure they're okay in there? Yeah. Our garage is insulated. You know, we have the four seasons here and it's humid in the summer. Um, and it's cold in the winter, um, but our garage is fully insulated and we have them off the garage floor because we get rain in the summer or whatever, and they're, they're fine. So I have pat one pallet for each of my book titles in the garage. And so um, when I go to ship books to uh, people, either Amazon or my customers, um, that my garage is my distribution center. So I will print out the um, address label. I, I bought myself a label printer, which it was like the best investment ever. Cause I was like, I was writing the address on the envelope and then going to the post office and purchasing the label there and waiting in line. And oh my gosh, it was such a pain. So now I, um, I use pirate ship com. It's a, just a free um, shipping service online. You type in your address that you want to go to, print out the label, stick it on the box, and just drop it off at the post office. Or you can even get them to come to your house and pick it up. We go out to the garage, box up the books, stick the label on there, and then we take them to the post office. Um, so I've used Bang in the past. I am, I've tried uh, Signature Printing. They're based out of Maryland here in the United States. They're really good. Their quality is actually better than Bang, in my opinion, and they're faster. Um, but they're more expensive for me because they have to ship the books to my house. So they're like a dollar more, um, which I didn't mind paying um, because of the quality and how fast I needed. I needed books quickly last year for Christmas. And then um, this time around for my new series, I'm using a printer called Authorpreneur Central. Um, and they actually get their books from printers in China. And this is my first time ordering overseas so we'll see how that goes but I've heard really good things about them from other authors oh great that's that's fantastic so yeah touching on um the postage and packaging fees um so how, how do you know what to charge accordingly for when you're shipping to different 
you know, worldwide, your, your picture books and things. Is that part of the program you use? You know, you can type in the address and like the weight yep. and stuff. Yeah. Yep. So I ordered a scale on Amazon. It's actually a food scale, but you can use it for, you know, packages too. Um, so I just put the, the books on the um, scale. Sometimes I have to use my bathroom scale if I have a box. <laughs> so I stand on the scale, get off. And then like I, when I had a, when I had a baby, I would, you know, stand on the scale by myself, get off, take the baby, stand on the scale and then do a little math. So that's what I do with the boxes, but with uh, single books or like, you know, up to like 10 books, I can just put them on the scale. And then on pirate ship, you just put in um, the size if you're using an envelope to ship or a box, and then you put in your weight and it calculates and then the address that it's going to, and then it calculates the um, the postage for you. Oh, now for my, I think we're gonna, we're gonna be talking about Kickstarter campaigns, right? Yes. For my Kickstarter campaigns, I have to know the shipping costs ahead of time. So I would just call the post office and um, I ask, I just tell them I'm an author and I'm trying to figure out shipping costs to different areas. And I would just tell them what if I had, you know, my books are 12 ounces. So if I have one book, how much does it cost to ship that to Canada? How much does it cost to ship that to um, Australia or England? And then they give me prices and then I'll know like how much to charge on my Kickstarter campaign for that. Yeah. For one book. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Um, so we're currently living in a global pandemic, America, especially. Mm -hmm. Um, how, how has this affected your publishing sales and distribution of your books? Has it, has it much or? Well, the only thing is it's really affected for me is the in-person stuff. So before the pandemic, I was able to go in person and do school visits and do events. So I was doing, I was traveling in the Twin Cities area here in Minneapolis and visiting like my kids' school and other schools and um, doing presentations. And then with the pandemic, of course, they weren't allowing that anymore. So I had to switch over to doing virtual visits, which have pros and cons. I mean, the pros are, I don't have to travel, I can do it from home. Um, it's, you know, they're usually shorter, they're usually about a half hour versus, you know, like, like an all day thing. Um, because I can have more than one classroom. You can have as many people join your Zoom visit as you want. You know, you can have just give the link out and you can have hundreds of kids on that meeting with you instead of being in the media center and having classes come in one at a time and you're there for like five hours. Um, there's no gas money involved because I'm doing it from home. Um, but then at the same time, the cons are, um, it's just not the same as doing it in person. I don't usually sell as many books. I do send, I do have an order form that I send teachers and they do send it home, but I don't know. It's just, it's just, better to be in person for sales you know because yeah. then the kids can see you and they can see your book in person and um to make those connections and then the other part of that's been affected um by the pandemic of course is the in-person events and things like i can't do author signings at bookstores anymore some of the bookstores that i had my books that actually closed down because they weren't getting any business because of the pandemic which is really sad um i can't i i wasn't doing any like boutiques or art fairs or any of those um events and and we're doing a few now here in minnesota outside because it's it's warm here so um you know people can be outside and so i've done a few this summer but um usually in the winter like especially around christmas time we'll have gift boutiques and things and we didn't have any of that those things last year so then you really have to get creative and direct people to your to buying from you online mm. Yeah, that's it. I suppose another plus about online online chats is you can wear you can wear your PJ bottoms, <laughs> your pajama yeah. bottoms. <laughs> no one will know. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> and so Cammy and Wyatt are the star characters of your picture book series. Can you tell us about how you came to write them in the form of Australian animals? Or was it just kind of linked with the names and Yeah, so um I've made a whole list of animals that I, I I picked animals because I thought any child can then relate to it regardless of their background. And so then I thought, okay, which animal am I going to use? So I made a list of all these different animals um, that I thought could be mischievous, like, you know, cats, bears, dogs, bunnies, um, whatever. I can't, raccoons, monkeys. And then actually one of my good friends told me, you know, you should do kangaroos because they have the pouch 
and they could keep stuff in their pouch and they can jump really high. And there's, and I thought, you know, that's actually a really good idea. And there's not very many book series out there with kangaroos as the main characters. So that's kind of how that came about. And it worked out really well because in the first book, Cammy is sneaking treats. So she puts them in her pouch and she uses her strong legs to jump on top of the refrigerator and jump up in the pantry. And then in the second book, um, Cammy Kangaroo has too much stuff. She's hoarding her things in her pouch. So the pouch thing has worked out well. Um, and, um, and then in my Christmas, I just wrote a Christmas book in November. I have them have some new neighbors and they're koalas. So then I have the little cute little koalas. And I was able to find a company um, out of China who they're called Gata Toy. And you give them a picture of your illustration and they make animals that look just like it. So now I have cute little stuffed kangaroos and koalas that look just like my characters. And so I can um, then sell those to go with the books. Yeah, that's amazing. I've I've saw your pictures of the the kangaroos. So, is was that a good venture for you then, marketing wise? Yeah, yeah. Worth investing. I feel like it was. Um, it's you know that's the, another thing that was affected by the pandemic is I usually sell more of the stuffies in person um, because people can see them and of course the kids love them and stuff. So with the pandemic and being kind of shut out of the schools and and everything, I've been selling less of those. Um, but I sold a lot of them, um, for Christmas, I would make gift sets with the plush and the books and sell those at a discount. And then, you know, doing outdoor events this summer here in Minnesota, um, I always have them sitting on my table and kids, of course, the parents probably hate me, but the kids will come up, the kids will come up and be like, Oh, look at this stuffed animal. And the mom's like, Oh, and I'm in my head. I'm like, I'm sorry. <laughs> so, um, they only they they cost about three dollars to per stuffed animal to get them made and shipped from China and then I sell them at in person events I sell them for five dollars and online I sell them for nine ninety nine or for a fifteen for the set because um, they're not media mail so I have to pay for shipping which can be a little bit more expensive than books yeah. so then I put the I add the shipping and when I sell them online. Right. And um, your books being native animals, have you ever, of Australia, have you ever tried to pitch the books in Australia to either publishers or markets? No, I haven't. And, you know, I have thought about doing that over the years. It's hard because shipping is so expensive. So since I have hardcover books and I ship them out myself, um, I just have trouble, you know, I've had bookstores in Australia contact me to um sell the books there but when I tell them I'm in the states they're kind of like oh because it is so I mean it costs 25 dollars to ship one book you know so it's so expensive nobody wants to pay shipping so um yeah I I've thought about it and I just haven't done anything about it because I haven't found a good solution for how to get them there could you how you've got a printer in the U.S. would you be able to find one Maybe you could get them printed oh, yeah. in Australia, maybe something like I that. I could look so, at that yeah. as an option, definitely try yeah. to send my files over there. Then I'd have to have a a warehouse in Australia to house the books and then a distribution center. So I'm here in, in Minnesota, I'm the warehouse and the distributor, so I don't have to pay any of those fees because I'm yeah. storing them and sending them out myself. So if I, you know, if I felt like it would be a good market in Australia, I could pay um figure out the fees for housing the books and sending them out and, and just pay that mm, yeah yeah something to think about so yeah uh, so I've noticed and you've touched upon before that the Cammy and Wyatt books books are inspired by your children and things that you've noticed them doing uh and they've, they've all got kind of moral driven stories I think you know Cammy and Wyatt practice patience Cammy and Wyatt kindness too and uh you know too much screen time so do you just keep continue to watch what your children do and then come up with the ideas and then start writing the books that way or it, it starts with that message first rather than you, than you just starting to write yeah kind of both um with the too many sweets it was I picked that one because that was one of the first things Candy did the too much stuff came about because I again I have my list of things that my kids do 
And I thought, and I try to choose topics that are relatable for a lot of families out there. And I thought, you know, there's probably a lot of kids that have messy rooms and have trouble keeping their things organized. So that's why I chose that one. The screen time, um, my kids, they, they were a little upset that I wrote about that because they don't have too much screen time because I monitor it. So they, they're like, people are going to think that we're on our screens all the time. And I'm like, well... So I put a little note in the book that no, they are not on their screens all the time. <laughs> um, but I chose that because I just feel like it's a really relatable topic right now and kind of ironic because I chose it before the pandemic had even happened at all. And then when it came out, it came out in the midst of the pandemic. So I was like, okay, either this book is going to do really well because it's about having too much screen time and the kids are they're doing distance learning on their devices for school right now, or it's going to tank because, you know, I don't know. So it ended up doing really well. Um, and then the patients, um, I just thought, okay, I'm going to write, I want to write a book. So I have a book about, um, you know, healthy eating. I have a book about being responsible and organized. I have a book about screen time. And then um, I had a, I made the kindness book about being kind so I thought, what's another virtue that we could work on besides kindness? And I thought patience is a good one. So I wrote the patience book. And then the Christmas book, I just wanted a holiday book. And we celebrate Christmas, my family and I do. And so the Christmas book is a story of friendship and uh, including others and, and the fact that Christmas, um, for my family anyway, isn't just about giving gifts. It's about family and love and, and everything. So, um, so I kind of, it, it kind of goes hand in hand. I, I think about what is a marketable idea? What is, um, what's going to sell? What is, um, what, you know, I get the inspiration from my kids, but then I also think about what's relatable to my audience too. Yeah, no, that's great. And are your kids, because the books are sort of based on them, are they like celebrities in their suburb or at school? <laughs> uh, <laughs> so my first book was published three years ago. So my daughter was eight. And so when I first, and my son was five, so when I first started writing it, they were all gung-ho. They were super excited. Um, now they're not much they're not very excited anymore because my daughter's now almost 12. And so she's, I don't know, kids at school, they can be mean and they'll, they'll call her Cami kangaroo. And at first it bothered her. And now she, I know kids. And I told her, I said, you know, I can stop. I'll stop. I'll stop using your name. So I tell authors, if I was going to do it again, I wouldn't use their names at all. I just wouldn't do it. When I asked them in the beginning, they said they wanted me to. Well, they were little. They didn't know. You know, they were seven and four. They were like, yeah, use our names. <laughs> well, then they got, as they got older, my son doesn't care. He doesn't, he's a boy. He really, I don't want to generalize, but he, he's not as self-conscious as Cammy is. He doesn't really care if I use his name. My daughter is more self-conscious. She's older. And so she's kind of like, oh, you know, like kids are calling me Cami kangaroo and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, well, why do you think they're doing that? And, you know, they're, they're, I think they're just jealous and they're being, you know, they're being rude and kids, um, you know, when I was growing up too, they would find something about you and they'd make fun of you. That's what some kids do. And if it's not this, it's going to be something else. And unfortunately, and you kind of have to just get a, I can't protect her from everything. And so you just got to get a thick skin and, and be like, yeah, I am Cami Kangaroo and my mom's making money off books and whatever. That's the family business. You know, I said, if it bothers you a lot, I'll stop. Or I told my kids, I'll pay you to use your names. And they said, yeah, you can pay us. <laughs> That's how I knew it wasn't damaging her too much. So I actually ended up making a contract with my kids and I got them each a little safe. And um, I pay them $20 to use their name in a book. And I pay them money to take photographs of them with the books. And anytime they help me with any kind of event or Facebook Live or anything, I pay them. And that's the kind of how we worked that out. Oh, wow. So. <laughs> that's cool. But no, you're exactly right. If it's not going to be that name, kids will find something else to yeah. tease about. That's just school. So I, as I, we spoke about before, I was born in Australia, but 
grew up in Scotland and I happened to be good at the high jump and I used to get called Skippy the kangaroo so <laughs> I know where how Cammy feels <laughs> That's the thing like it's you know and, and adults do it too I mean we have this uh you know where we're, we're we get jealous of other people. We're insecure about ourselves. And so we find something about other people to um, bring them down and make ourselves feel better. And that's what's happening to her. And it happens to my son, but in different ways. Um, he's not, he's not, he's pretty short for his age. So he gets, that's what they pick on him about. So unfortunately, you know, there's mean kids out there who, um, are you will find like you said find something and they'll tease you and you just gotta and and it happens as an adult too I mean people have been mean to me and I'm 43 years old so you gotta kind of let it roll off you and be like yeah I'm short oh well like I can't really change my height and oh yeah my I'm a kangaroo in a book haha oh well you know I mean I know it it hurts but it's like that's life I mean there's gonna be mean people out there and you can either you can either curl up in a ball and cry and, and let them make you feel bad about yourself. Or you can tell yourself that these kids don't really matter. And in the long run, I mean, it's whatever, who cares, you know, yeah, that's <laughs> not to be it. flippant about it, but you got to, you, like you said, you got to get a thick skin because there's going to be people your whole life who are going to say and do mean things. That's just how the world is sometimes. Unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I tell my daughter. If I'm, you know, someone said something not nice to her, that that's probably how they feel about themselves. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's to do with their insecurities. Yeah. Have you had um, a lot of backlash from your author career? Have you had any haters or anything online? Yeah, um, I've had. So, the Amazon reviews are always funny to read. And you and I've told other authors, don't take those personally because these people don't know you. They don't know your mission. They're getting a book in the mail. They're reading it, and they have their own. They have their own kind of uh, agenda or um, previous experience. So, like with too many sweets, one of my first reviews was somebody who um, told they they were they gave my book two stars on Amazon and said my book made their daughter afraid of the dentist. <laughs> And I'm like, okay, at, at first I was super insulted. I was like, what? How dare you give my book two stars? You're mean. And oh my gosh, my book is horrible. Now no one's going to buy it. But then I thought about it and I'm like, it's not really my fault that her daughter is afraid of the dentist now. Yeah, my daughter gets cavities in the book, but that's a consequence of eating too much sugar. You get cavities. And so... Um, if her daughter's afraid to go to, the, go to the dentist because she might get a cavity, well, maybe you should talk to your daughter about that then and say, well, then we need to make sure that we brush your teeth well and that you eat healthy. And, you know, a cavity, yeah, it stinks, but it's not going to like be torturous. I mean, they just fill it, you know, and, and the dentist in my book is really nice. And so I just had to learn, like, again, thick skin as an adult, too. It's nothing personal. Um, she's not out to, you know, make my book a failure. She just, this is her opinion. This is what happened with her. Then my, with my, um, Cami kangaroo has too much stuff book. Somebody said, Oh, I got two stars because it's not, it doesn't rhyme that well. And I'm like, this isn't a rhyming book. I never said it was a rhyming book. It doesn't say anywhere that this book is supposed to rhyme. It doesn't rhyme at all. So the fact that you're rating it two stars because it doesn't, it's not a good rhyming book. It's like, okay, what, what am I supposed to do about that? <laughs> you know? And then screen time, somebody said something about that. And, you know, so in uh, Amazon, sometimes they ship the books out and they'll be damaged. So then they give me one star because the book came damaged. It's like, that's not really my fault that the book came damaged, but now it affects my whole rating percentage. And so just little things like that. And so, and there's, you know, as a first time author, it's really hard to hear negative things about something that you've put countless hours into and I know it's not a perfect book because I'm not perfect I'm not I'm not like you know um, a perfect author but you put your blood sweat and tears into it and then somebody gives it one or two stars it's it hurts but um over the now I've got I have over like 2,000 reviews for my books and uh, I don't even read them anymore because it's like I'm not gonna uh, I'm not going to focus on the negative stuff. Um, and, um, 
it unless it's like a helpful review like if it's someone that says you know there's a word misspelled or something then of course then i i will take that take heed to that but um and then i've had other i've had authors and author groups say you know hurtful things like uh you know Okay, recently there was another author who said, who came down on me because I was using my kids' names. And she made some hurtful comments about me being a bad mom. And that really hurt because I was like, you know, you don't know the conversations I've had with my kids. I do love my kids. We've talked about it and we worked out a solution. So I, I was pretty upset about that, but that's because she was insulting me as a mother. <laughs> so, um, well, you know, there's, there's, there's people out there who, yeah, are you gonna, and I don't know why she said that. Maybe she's jealous. Maybe she's insecure about her own author career. I don't know. Um, but there's just judgy people out there. And, uh, again, you just have to get a thick skin and kind of let it roll off. Yeah. I mean, you think about anybody who, you know, Stephen King or Mo Willems, anybody who is, um, a famous author has had lots of people criticize their work and say things and write things about them. And I'm sure, and they probably are just kind of at, maybe in the beginning they were upset about it, but you know, now they're probably just like, whatever, you know, cause <laughs> you can't, you can't, otherwise you'll just, I mean, anytime you try something new, there's going to be somebody who's putting you down and, and if you listen to them instead of keep going, you're just, you're not going to, you're just not going to get anywhere. You're going to be, you know, just stop, you know, and you just got to persevere and believe in yourself. Yeah. So you advise, you know, ignore the negative and don't respond to these people. You never can. No, I don't. No. Because. Because if I do, what am I going to say? I'm sorry, my book made your daughter afraid of the dentist, but you don't need to give me a two-star review. She's not going to all of a sudden be like, oh, you're right. I'll take it down. It's just going to make me look bad on Amazon if I respond to these people. Um, and it's like on Facebook when you're talking politics. You're not going to change somebody's mind by by commenting on that kind of thing. So just let it go. Um, unless they're like harassing you or something. Um, then obviously you should notify Amazon or something like that. But if it's just a bad review or a negative comment, I would just let it go and and move on and focus on the good things and just keep plugging away. Yeah. How have you came to generate reviews? Have you? Yeah. Yeah. I have a process for that. So I have, so what I do is um, there's a few things that I do. The the number one, um, number one thing that I do, of course, is build up my audience. So I have, um, several thousand followers on um, uh, Facebook and Instagram, and I have uh, 3,000 website subscribers. So when I have a new book come out, I make it free on Amazon because um, I'm part of uh, Kindle Unlimited. So anybody who has Kindle Unlimited can always get my eBooks for free because I have enrolled them in that. Um, so when other authors or parents or teachers out there are like, hey, I'm looking for some books to read. Is your book on Kindle Unlimited? I can give them the link and they can read it. And then I'll, I will just ask for a review. I'll say, hey, do you mind leaving me an honest review on Amazon? And they then, you know, about half of them will do it. Um, when I have a new book coming out, I'll make it free for a couple days because with Kindle Unlimited, you can make your book. You have five free days every three months. Um, so I'll use two right off the bat when I launch a book and I'll send an email to all my subscribers with the link. I make a graphic and I put it on social media and I'll say right on there, um, hey, my book's free today. Go ahead and download it, read it. And you know, I'd really appreciate a review. And usually since I have these thousands of people, I'll get like 50 reviews right off the bat that way. And after that, I just kind of let it go. So I that's what I always tell new authors, like try to get like at least 20 right in the beginning. Um, and then, you know, it just kind of continues after that. It just kind of keeps going people. Um, Cause once you get a, once you get at least 20 or 30, they just start trickling in. Something else I do is support other authors. So in these author groups that I'm in, when other authors have their books for free, I always, when I see them on there, I always get them, download them and leave them a review um, because, you know, you, you, what goes around comes around and I try to give as much support as I can to other authors. And then um, that's how you build up those relationships with them. And then when you need help, then they'll come out and help you too. So yeah, those are, um, yeah, those are some of the things I do to get reviews. 
Yeah, no, that's great. Paying it forward, which is which is nice mm-hmm. in the indie community, isn't it? Um, so you're on the verge of releasing a very exciting middle grade non-fiction series, <laughs> and I'm just very excited because it looks amazing. Um, can you tell us a bit about that and and how you came up with that idea? Because this is not to yeah. do with your children. This is other children. <laughs> oh, so yeah, I'm super excited about it. Uh, so I've been a published author now for about three years. And so um, my Cami Kangaroo and Wyatt 2 series started out as, you know, we take some relatable topics, write about those in a funny way, and people can use those with their own kids. Then I kind of went to um, writing about the virtues like kindness and patience and friendship, things like that. As a teacher and a mom, I just, we, we talk about, we talk so much about random acts of kindness and what can I do to make the world a better place? What can I do to um, give hope to people? What can I do to bring a smile to somebody's face? It just takes one little tiny thing like, you know, holding the door for someone or at school, what can I do? I can ask my teacher if I can help her with anything. I can carry heavy stuff. I can lend someone a pencil. I can ask someone to play with me at recess. And that's kind of how my um, Cami White and Kindness too, and then my ABCs of Kindness came about is because I want to teach kids that it, you don't have to do this huge thing um, to make a difference in the world. You can do something small, like bake some cookies and bring them to your neighbor, and that can change somebody's entire day. And then they will go out, hopefully, and do something nice for somebody else, and kind of the ripple effect. You know, you do something kind, they'll go do something kind, so that, that person will go do something kind, and then all of a sudden, you've affected 50 people, not just one. And so last winter, um, in the midst of this pandemic, and, you know, everybody's it's just been not a very hopeful place the last year in this world. And just with the pandemic and other things that have been going on, I've just been like, ah, oh, you know, people are struggling. People are lonely. They're isolated. There's just a lot of uh, negativity and hopelessness in, in the world and right now. And um, I thought, how can I use my author voice to help that situation? What can I do? And, and there's got to be something else I can do. Yeah, these picture books I'm doing with Cami and White are good. You know, I like the I like that I have um, good relatable topics, especially the kindness books. But I wanted to do something more and especially more on a global level. And so I thought. then this idea just kind of popped into my head. I thought, what if I can, because kids are, kids are so great. I mean, kids are so, they're so innocent and so inspiring and um, so generous and selfless. And, and what if I can find kids who are already doing amazing things and just write a book series about, or write a book about them. And so I thought, I'm going to see if I can, I'm going to see if I can do that. I'm going to, find some kids around the world who are doing really cool stuff. And it can be something really simple. It can be something really big, whatever, just anything that is helping somebody or something around the world. And I'm going to see if I can contact them and and I'm going to see if I can write about them. So that idea came to me around December, January. I I thought, okay, now I have my idea for this book. Now I'm going to see if I can find some kids. And I started looking, I actually started out by looking on Instagram. So I just typed in um, the hashtag uh, kids helping kids or inspiring kids, things like that. And I found so many kids that are doing so many really awesome things. I also um, put it out on social media. I made a graphic that said, I'm looking for kids who are making a difference for my new book. If you know anybody, please contact me. And I had people coming out of the woodwork like, oh, my friend's daughter is, you know, donating supplies to the animal shelter. And my my son is having lemonade stands. And instead of using the money for himself, he's giving it to the children's hospital. And I was just like, oh, my gosh. And it just it just made me feel so inspired. Like, wow, there is hope for the world. There's all these kids doing so many awesome things. And they're just doing it because they want to help. They're not doing it to get any personal gain at all. And so then I went from one book to four (laughs) because I just kept finding 
so many kids that are helping animals and the environment and other people and, and sick kids. And, and so I started making lists and then um, it just kind of took off from there. So I interviewed illustrators and I found Emanuela and I had, so this is, this is a nonfiction series. It's a bit more complicated because I have, I had to get a um, book designer. So I hired Travis. And so he is the one who helped put the text features in there and the, he lay, he puts the illustrations in there and the photographs that I'm using and just lays it all out. So it looks awesome. And then, um, I have to involve the parents because these a lot of these kids are under 18. Some of the kids are older than 18 because they started this years ago when they were a child and now they're in college. So I can just talk directly to them. So I had to um, have I have a waiver that says um, that it's okay for me to use their child's image and their child's name. And so um, the parents have, or the child themselves have all signed that because as a mom, I want to make sure that I'm, you know, I'm not exploiting anybody or I want to make sure I'm, I'm being careful with their children. And so um, I had to do that. I had to do a lot of research. So for every child that I'm writing about, um, I have interview questions that I sent to them for them to answer via email. And then I also go on their website and social media and I just do tons of research um, to make sure. And then when I'm done with my, when I'm done writing their feature, I email it to their back to them to make sure that's accurate. Cause I want to make sure that I'm publishing things that are, that are accurate about them. And then I, of course, I have my beta readers and my editors and, and I started a Facebook group um, just for this book series. And I started it with like a hundred people and it's up to 1800 people now. Wow. So it's just, yeah. So I'm just reaching out to, um, a lot of other teachers and parents and grandparents out there who are interested in an inspiring series like this and anybody who wants to join. And that's where I post. Um, I ask for voting on book covers. I post in progress illustrations and ask for feedback. Um, we vote on the next book title. We, um, I, I post uh, sneak peeks of the kids. And so, you know, it's just all behind the scenes. Like I'm going to take you along for the ride until this gets out into the world. And, um, and throughout the process, again, people are still sending me names of kids to use. And so now we're up to seven books. No, and I'm wow. like, I have to stop. I have to stop. I can't, <laughs> I'm, I may do more in the future, but I, my, uh, we're just kind of like, I, I don't know, I just got, I, I'm like, okay, I have to cut it off at 84 kids, because I decided to have each book have 12 kids, because I thought, okay, if the average children's book is 32 pages, so if I have three pages per child, times 12, that's 36, and then I have the table of contents and the author bio so it ends up being about 40 pages for the book. So which I think is, is a pretty good size. So anyway, that's how I got the idea. And that's kind of, um, you know, how it came about. Yeah, that It's incredible. I cannot wait to read that when it comes out. And it's so good that there's so many stories still coming your way. And it's, it's, it sounds like a really good series that the world needs at this point, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I kind of feel like that too. Like it's, you know... To look at these kids who are five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten teenagers, um, and know that they're doing this just to be kind. And um, I mean, there's there's some kids who have started, there's a lot of these kids have started their own organizations and charities, and they're like 10 years old, you know, and they run their own like I mean, yeah, they have their parents helping them, but they're doing a lot of the the work themselves, like um you know, picking up recycling on the beach every single day, or um, there's kids that instead of having birthday parties, they just ask people to uh, donate money, and then they take all that and they give it away. And it's like, gosh, you, just something simple like that. Like, I don't want any gifts for myself. I just want to help other people. I mean, that's just so it's just so neat. It's so it's made me feel very inspired. Every time I research a kid, I just get super excited and inspired. And I, I tell my husband, Oh my gosh, look at, look what this kid's doing. And Oh my gosh, look what this kid, it just makes me get so excited and inspired. So I'm really hoping that uh, my mission with this series is that um, not only am I getting the child's organization out there for people to help their cause, but I'm really hoping that it inspires other people, no matter what your age, you can make a difference. Like no matter if you're three years old to 90, you can do something that does something to help someone out there. And if we all did something every day, it would be such a 
the world would be a good a better place you know yeah that's wonderful there's a little bit of that happening at our school at the moment we um there was a little boy in my daughter's class who's seven who's um yeah he's just been diagnosed with brain cancer and uh okay. his little friend who uh she, she just is instantly said you know what can I do to help and she Aww. um just put it out there that she was going to walk walk around the streets in our local suburb but I think I, I don't know how much she actually done to raise some money to donate to her friends so. and it was that lovely so yeah awesome. that's that's really nice so yeah and there's little other kids kind of doing like shaving the head and just a lot mm-hmm. of little things popping up which is really nice to see mm-hmm. so yeah um so you are very creative and clever and proactive with your marketing and promotion of your work um I'm in awe watching you on Facebook with the things you do um can you tell us what's been the best and the worst ideas you've had about spreading spreading your word for your work (laughs) (laughs) yeah the best probably is just simply putting myself out there it's it's uh it can be very intimidating um when I first started I'm an introvert I'm a friendly introvert. I like what? talking to people. <laughs> really? I know. Isn't that? I know. People are like, you are not. I'm like, yes, I am. I, I would much rather just sit in my house and not talk to anyone. <laughs> um, I, I, I like meeting new people and I like talking to people, but it really drains me. It, it takes a lot of energy for me to um, get out there and be friendly and be bubbly because afterwards I have to go home and just like, not talk to anyone and it's hard because I can't because I have little kids so then when they go to bed I'm just kind of like okay (laughs) and I tell my husband don't talk to me for like a half hour and he's like okay because he's an extrovert so he want he gets energy from other people and by talking to other people and I'm the opposite i I'm talking to other people so much and it just drains me so um and a lot of authors are like that a lot of authors would would like to just write the book and have it sell itself and not have to do anything to sell it. And I understand that. I would love if that would happen. But unfortunately, for self-published authors, we are also the salespeople. We are the marketers. We are the social media people. We are the we're the website designers. We wear a lot of different hats. So um, unless you have the money to pay someone else to sell your book, you have to do it yourself. So um, I had to kind of get over my fear of because I had the fear too. I don't want to bother people. I don't want to try to, I don't want to, I don't want to bother people by trying to sell my book. What if my book is no good and nobody wants to buy it? You know, you have all those um, doubting thoughts in your head. Um, And some people don't have that, but I did. And I just had to basically fake it in the beginning. I had to say, you know what? Everyone's going to love my book. And if they don't, oh, well, I will find them. I'm going to find people who are going to buy this book. And I had to, uh, I had to fake in the beginning. I had to tell people this book is, I mean, of course I thought my book was awesome, but I had doubts about it. (laughs) I had to to act like I had total confidence and this book is amazing and you're going to love it. And this is why. And so um, just, you have to have the right mindset that you're going to be a success. And even if you don't feel it deep down at first, just act like you do. And eventually you will. It's kind of like that thing. Like you just keep telling yourself over and over, whatever thought I read this article once, like you have the same thought in your brain, like seven times or something. And that's what you're going to believe or something like that. So if you just keep telling yourself that, you know, you're going to be a success, eventually you will believe it. And you might, you know, you might still have those doubting thoughts, but you just have to train your brain to not to think a different way. The number one marketing tip I tell people is you need to you need to get yourself out there. You can't just make a book, put it on Amazon and start spamming your link all over the place on Facebook or whatever and be like, oh, look, here's my book. Buy it. Here's my book. Buy it. No, people, there's a, there's millions of books out there. Why should they buy yours? You have to give them a why. Why do they need your book? Does your book solve a problem? Great. What is it? Is your book funny? That's good. We like, we need funny books. You know, is your book going to uh, inspire people? Is your book going to help people make, uh, you know, with their kids in some way? Is your book going to help teachers? Whatever. You need to figure out who your audience is and what, and then you need to find your audience and you need to uh, market your book in a way that is going to get them to want to buy your book. So that's kind of the number one thing. You find your audience 
and you put yourself out there and you somehow um, get them interested and get them buying your book. So, and it's a lot of work. It's not easy because it takes a lot of time. Um, it, like I said, if you don't have the funds to pay somebody else to do it for you, you're spending countless hours finding your audience and figuring out um, the best way to get them to purchase. So that being said, a trap that I found myself in is uh, I just try to do too much and I overwhelm myself. I tend to want, I, I find I'm in all these author groups and I find all these awesome ideas and I try to do all of them and that doesn't work. <laughs> so I, I am on Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, TikTok, YouTube, Twitter, LinkedIn, I'm on all these different platforms and I've done hardly anything for any of them except Facebook and Instagram because I just, I don't have time. I don't have time to go on TikTok and make these awesome videos. I don't have time to pin things on Pinterest. I don't have time to tweet all this stuff. And so I've put in a mediocre effort into all of these different things. Except, and so my advice to people is find two that you can put a lot of effort into because the ones that you put a lot of effort into are the ones that you're going to get a lot out of. And it kind of depends on your audience. So if your audience is teenagers, then TikTok is probably a good place for you to spend a lot of time on. If your audience is teachers, you know, maybe um, find there's a huge teacher community on Twitter and Instagram. So maybe those two would be a good for you. If your audience is, um, I I don't know if your audience is kids, um, maybe YouTube, because a lot of younger kids don't have social media, but they watch videos on YouTube. So you could be making uh, you could be making videos of your books or read alouds and putting those on YouTube. Um, I do have a YouTube channel with read alouds on it, but I don't do a lot with it because I just don't have time. There's just too much to do. And I'm only one person. I don't I can't afford to hire a lot of uh, virtual assistants to help me. Um, manage all these different channels. So just try to, you're going to just burn out really quickly and, and you won't do anything well if you try to spread yourself too thin. So I would just start out by, and people are like, well, do I need, do I need to be on Facebook? Do I need to be on Instagram? Do I need to have a website? No, you don't have to, but you should, unless you're selling your books on your website, the website's not super necessary. Um, I have a website because I have a store on my website. I also do school visits and they can book it on my website. And, I tr and I'm also an author coach. So my website has multiple purposes. If, you're, if you just have one book out, it's not necessary for you to have a website if you're selling on Amazon. That You don't need a website. So don't worry about that right away. Don't pay somebody or spend like I did. I spent thousands of hours trying to build a website. I am not a website designer. Shit. I don't do well with coding and all that stuff. I tried to teach myself because I'm cheap and I didn't want to spend the money on a website person. And if I could go back in time, I would have saved myself those hundreds of hours and just hired someone and paid the money because I, I ended up doing it anyway. I made my own website. It didn't look good. So I ended up hiring someone last year. I paid like a thousand bucks and she did the whole thing for me. And it looks amazing now. Yeah, um, it does. So another piece of advice I give people is, and I learned this from um, my business. I have a mentor, a business mentor. And he said, look, nobody, you don't want to spend money. I get that. But you should really be spending your time on what you're good at. And you should really be outsourcing the things that you're weak at. Otherwise, you're going to be spending, you're going to be wasting a lot of time trying to do the things that you're not good at because you're not good at it. So you're going to have to, you're going to have to waste a lot of time trying to teach yourself in my case, how to build a website when I could have just spent the money and hired someone in the first place, which, yeah, I didn't, I don't have any money, but it was a good investment, you know, for me. So think about what am I good at? I'm good at writing books. I'm going to spend my time writing books. I'm not good at designing websites. So I'm going to try to find someone to do that for me. That's kind of something I've learned over the years is to try not to do everything myself. I hired someone to get my finances in order because it's something I've been putting off. And so, and I just was trying to do it myself and I wasn't doing a very good job of staying organized and she got everything organized for me. So that's another, another area, you know, that I wasn't doing a very good job at. So I hired someone to help me with it. If you are not good at uh, keeping up with your social media, you can find a college student or a high school kid who are awesome at social media and get them to manage your account. You know, pay them 15 bucks an hour 
and uh, get them to manage your stuff. You know, spend a few hours every week to engage with people and kind of build up your audience. So there's ways to do it that aren't super expensive. That's it. I hear you about the website. Oh my gosh, it's oh, it was the bane of my life, and I really have spent a lot of time. And yeah. even even now, I've just oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah well thank you so much Stacey for your time I honestly cannot thank you enough for your expertise and your advice um it's just been absolutely wonderful um can you tell us where we can find you and your work in store and online sure so my my Cami Kangaroo books are all on Amazon they're also at stacycbauer.com stacycbauer.com also has um, my author school so I have created classes on how to do kickstarters how to do uh, how to get reviews for your books how to market your books I have all that stuff on there I have a blog where um, I write uh, put tips up for other authors and I also have a free monthly self-publishing newsletter um, that you can subscribe to if you are an aspiring author or you are an author and you want my tips. And then my new series is actually launching on Wednesday. <laughs> oh, in like five days. I know <laughs> I've been working on it since January. So it feels like it's just never going to happen. But now it's coming up really quickly, of course. So I'm trying to get everything ready to I'm launching that on Kickstarter. So I'm trying to raise. So Kickstarter is not like a GoFundMe. It's not it's not where you just collect donations. It's um, people back your idea and then they get something in return. So you back uh, if you back at a certain level, you get a book or you get like a set of books or something. So I'm trying to raise, I'm, in, I'm trying to raise at least um, $25,000 because I'm kickstarting the first three books and it it's costs about $8,000 to $10,000 just to, just for illustrations and printing. So, and I don't have that money just yeah. sitting in savings. So I'm hoping that by putting them out there in this campaign and, and reaching people that people will order them and then I can use that money to get the books out there. So that information is also on my website. You can go on there and read about the kids and uh, you can sign up to get an email when the campaign launches on Wednesday. That's awesome. And with the Kickstarter, um, is that something you think you're going to continue to do in the future for each of your projects? It's working well for you? Yeah, it's working well. I've done four of them. So I've raised over like $40,000 for wow. my books. So um, Kickstarter is a lot of work, like anything in the self-publishing world. If you want to be successful, you got to really put a lot into it. The number one thing is you have to have an audience who cares about your project. You can't just stick your, throw your book up there and, and start giving people the link, just like when you launch a book on Amazon. So you really need to start building your audience ahead of time and get them to care about your mission and your books and um, whatever else creative project you're doing. So I'm hoping that by having this Facebook group and by having these and by starting this in January that people are invested and they are going to want to order it. So um uh, yeah, so for my other, I did it for four of my Cami Kangaroo books, and I raised, like I said, over $40,000, but it's it's a full-time job getting ready for it, and it's a full-time job during the campaign, because with Kickstarter, you make, you set your goal, um, and you set your amount, your time limit, and if you don't make your goal in your time limit, you lose all the funds that you've raised so far. So if I have, I know it's a little stressful. So if I set my, if I set my, um, if I set my time limit for two weeks and my goal is $5,000, if I raise $4,000 and my time period ends, I don't get any of that. I get nothing. So I always tell people you're, you're, you're pledging to my campaign with your credit card, but your credit card does not get charged until my campaign is over and only if I reach my goal. So because people say, well, I don't get paid till Friday. And I'm like, well, you don't have to have the money right now. You only need it in whatever, two weeks or 30 days or whatever. And only if I make my goal. So with with young change makers, I'm going to do 30 day campaign. I'm going to set my goal, I think somewhere around twenty five thousand. And I'm going to do everything in my power to get the word out there so that I can make my goal so that these books can go to the printer and get out into the world. Oh, wow. Wonderful. Well, yeah, best of luck with that. We'll have to jump <laughs> on and you. support you there. And huge congrats for the release on Wednesday as well. That's, that's something exciting. So, And again, thank you so much, Stacey, for your time and expertise. It's been great. Thank you so much for having me.
That's the end for now, authors. I hope you are further forward in your author adventure after listening, and I hope you'll listen next time. Remember to head on over to the Hybrid Author website at www.hybridauthor.com.au to get your free author pass. It's bye for now.